Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. Start a series on family. How many know family is an important part of this world? Family is, as a matter of fact, it's the building block of faith is family. And, and if there's anything this world needs, it is strong families, strong marriages, strong kids, and the strong people of God. So I'm going to start a series next week, uh, talking, and we'll deal with different topics about, about being a man of God, being a woman of God. We'll talk about strong marriages, how to date, how not to date. We'll talk about a singlehood, those that have been widowed maybe, seniors. We're just going to cover everything we can as far as on this particular topic. But next week, if you cannot come for the next, six, say, seven or eight weeks, then we have a podcast. It's called The Bethel Podcast. The Bethel Podcast. And you can go. It has our, our sermons, uh, our messages on there. And so you can stay abreast of that as well. But by all means, come tonight, and we're going to have a great time. Turn with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, what are the four Gospels? All the JBQers said, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Mark chapter 4. And I want to talk to you about the parable of the seed and the sower, the parable of the seed and the sower. Let's pray. Father, again, what a privilege it is to come to your house and to worship you. Father, every time we come, we just sense the, the presence of God. We sense a liberty, a freedom. We sense love for one another and a love for you. And so, Lord, we do thank you for the privilege of also coming today and getting to partake of the Word of God. It's been a beacon for so many multiplied millions of people. We found it to be theological, but we've also found it to be practical for us today. And I pray it'll be those, both of those right now. Once again, Holy Spirit, you're the one, that preacher and the teacher that we came to hear, and I just pray that you'll be seen. And I love you for all that you've done. Help us to understand this scripture, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Mark chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat. He sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in in his teaching he said this, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not hear bare grain. Still other seed fell on good soil, came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Go to verse 13. Jesus said, don't you understand this parable? How then then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others like seed sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life The deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and chokes the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some some 30, some 60, some 100 times that will was sown. And that's my prayer today is that's what will happen, is the seed that God plants in our hearts will fall on good soil, and it will plant a harvest in in a crop. Now, let me ask you a question today before we get started. 
If I could say something that would help you understand the Bible better, would it be worth your time for the next 30 minutes? Okay. If I could say something that would help you in every sermon you ever hear, every Bible study, every Christian podcast, every Sunday school, every devotional, if I could say something that would help you, would it be worth your time to pay attention for the next few moments of time? When the first church we ever pastored, my neighbor grew tomato plants. And if anybody ever had homegrown tomatoes, you know how good they are, right? And you know that they're not the same as store-bought tomatoes. And so I had this idea I was going to plant tomato plants, and so I went in the backyard and tilled up the soil, went to the store, bought the plants, bought the stakes, put them in the ground, and began my farming uh, career of tomato farming. So and they would need water, so I would water them as they needed, just like a good farmer would do. And, and after a while, they began to grow, but the, the tomatoes grew so fast that they split before they were ripe. And the leaves began to become all wilted, and, and it didn't look right. And I knew something was wrong, and they were green in color, and, and, and ants and, and insects were eating them, and they looked like something that you would never want to actually go and put in your mouth. Till my neighbor came over. He was an older man. He looked at my tomato plants over the fence and knocked on my door and said, hey, can, can an old-timer help you out? And so by this time, I was so frustrated, I said, yes. He said, um, where are you watering those tomato plants? And I said, well, you know, you take the cold water out of the hose and you turn the faucet on and you spray it on top of the leaves and get all the leaves good and wet. And, you know, then you spray it at the bottom. He said, um, the, you, you've just committed the cardinal sin of tomato plant farming is you don't water the leaves, you water the actual root. Because if you water the leaves, it'll scald them, and then it'll kill the rest of the plant. Needless to say, all 12 of those uh, tomato plants I pulled out of the ground did not eat one tomato, tomato out of all of them, but I learned something real valuable. There's a right way to grow a tomato, and there's a wrong way. And what Jesus is teaching us here is there's a right way for the Word of God to go into our heart, and there's a wrong way for the Word of God to go into our heart. And Jesus uses this parable. Interesting enough, he tells us three wrong ways to do it and one right way. Because usually in, in every kind of such situation, there's one right way to do it, but there's many wrong ways to do it. So what we see here is he's telling us the goal of a Christian is that you and I will produce fruit. It will produce something that will be a benefit to not just us, but to those around us and to the kingdom of God. Being a 20-year-old Christian is wonderful. Having walked the road for, for Jesus for 20 years is a wonderful thing. Being a Christian for 30 years is a marvelous thing. To live for God all those years, there's nothing like it. Being a Christian for 50 years is phenomenal. There's nothing like living the Christian life. And so Jesus is taking the time to show us the right way to do it, and he uses it in a story. It's the purpose of a parable. Caleb talked about it today. The purpose of a parable, it's to show us the heavenly truth in the most practical way. Let me ask you a question. How many can tell me the storylines, the storyline, the characters, and the main point from the Rocky movie? Two people. How many can tell me the storyline, the characters, and the main point of the Karate Kid? A few more of you. How many can tell me the characters, the storyline, and the main point of Finding Nemo? There we go. So you're, you're tracking with me. Why is that? Because sometimes when we hear a story, it has the ability for us to comprehend and to understand it and retain it years after. 
Now, how many of this, how many can do this? How many can tell me the characters, the storyline, and the impact point of the book of Leviticus? So that's why Jesus told stories. Because it has the ability to stick with us years and years later. And so he tells us a story. He says this, first of all, in this particular story, he says, of all the ones you're going to hear, if you can get this one, you can get all the other ones. So that's good news for me and you. So if we can just become experts in this particular one of the seed and the sower, it's going to help us to understand every single thing, other parable and story that Jesus told. So let's start from the beginning. He says there's a farmer, there's a seed, and there's a sower. The players are the farmer, the seed, and the sower. In, in this particular passage, the farmer, of course, is God. The seed is the word of God, and the soil is me and you. How many would say this in your Christian experience? You've heard more than five teachings or sermons on the Bible. Christian life. Okay, raise my hand. How many of us would say that I've heard more of a more than a hundred, whether teachings or sermons or messages or something like that? How many would say I've probably heard more than a thousand? Many of us have heard lots of them, and Jesus starts out by telling us, look, if you can understand how to receive the word and get the most out of every single message, it's going to help you to produce fruit, and it's going to be a great benefit to your life. So he starts out by talking about the hard ground. It's the first one he does, and look in verse number four. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And then he, began, then, he, then he translates that and tells us what that means in verse number 15. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. And hearing the word, a person must have a clear... Let me just say this. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So here's the thing. He says the first seed, when the, the, the word of God goes forth, it goes on hard ground. It doesn't get into the soil, and because it doesn't get in the soil, the birds come and eat it, and he says the birds represents a Satan. Satan comes and steals the seed, and it really has no impact on that person's life. Okay, so let's talk about that for a minute. How can Satan steal a word that God has given? How can people walk away from hearing God's word and Satan be able to take it away and they not remember or not understand or comprehend anything? Let me say this first of all. When you hear the word of God like you're doing right now, it's so critical that you have a clear conscience with the speaker who's giving the word. Because, see, the thing is, if there's something between you and the speaker, it causes our heart, our soil, to be hardened towards the word of God. And so Jesus is talking to us. He says, how many have ever heard these things? You know, I've heard that, that, that teacher teach, and I can't get anything from him. I'm not getting fed at that particular, with that particular ministry. See, because the thing is, is, they've turned away from the speaker, and if you turn away from the speaker, you'll turn away from their message as well. We see this all over the place in politics today. You know why they try to smear a politician? Because if they can smear his name, it doesn't matter what he says. No matter how true it is, how right it says, if you could just smear his name, his message is not going to be listened to. Jesus says this from the very beginning. He says, look, you've got to have just a clear conscience with the speaker, with the message giver. Because if not, then the thing is, your heart will be hard to receiving the word, and Satan will come and steal it. What's your attitude towards the preacher, the teacher at school, the mentor? What's your attitude towards your parents? Because everything hinges on your attitude towards them. Do you disagree with the doctrine of the particular minister? Do you disagree with their character? Do you disagree with their spouse? Do you disagree because they're single? Do you disagree because of the way their children act? Everybody has an opinion of a preacher and a teacher, and your attitude is contingent 
and whether you receive the words that they have to say. I have a friend that will go nameless. And one time she said this. She said, there's a particular minister on the radio. And she said, I don't like the way she sounds. She just has that kind of voice, kind of like that just irritates you. So she won't listen to that particular minister because her voice irritates her. Now, the thing is, the things that that person says may be the very things that God wants to speak to that particular person to really bring revelation in their life. But just because they don't like the way she sounds, they're missing out. So Jesus is telling us here, he said, not just that. He says, not just that the fact that the, the heart's hard is because the speaker has to be somewhere that we're willing to look for every single time you hear a message, no matter if it's on the radio, on the computer, in, in, in person. Pray and ask God, say, God, if there's anything between me and the person giving the word, then, Lord, I forgive them. I don't, wanna, I don't want that to stand in the way for me receiving what you have for me today. Does that make sense? We go on. And he says this, the second is rocky ground. Look at verse number five. So the first we have the hard ground. Second, we have rocky ground. He says, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Verse 16, and these are they likewise, which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive with gladness and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. And afterward, when affliction or persecution arise for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And there are those that hear the word of God, but they don't receive it because the things got tough, because of trials and tribulations, and it causes them to become offended. They were doing good, and then all of a sudden they got sick. Or they were doing good and they got downsized. They were doing good and the conversation didn't go like they thought it should. They got, they got good. They began to be treated poorly. They, they, things were going good and then all of a sudden life happened and they got offended at somebody. They got offended at God. And the word was no longer able to penetrate and have its particular way. As one day there was, there was a Halloween where we did an outreach. It was called Hell House. It was in Jacksonville. If you remember the old Long Ford over by where Lowe's is today. That was the, the, the facility they used, and it was a kind of a, a play-type atmosphere where you'd go from different scenes to different scenes. At the very end of the, of the, um, the house, that you could go in the place where you could make a decision for Christ, and it was a great way to share the gospel. And one night, I, I worked in the back where the decision room was, and then one night there was a young man who came through, and he waited for everybody to leave. And when it was just me and another minister and himself, he, he said, he said, he said, he looked at, he said, I just want to ask you a question. He said, how can anybody call themselves a Christian and treat my dad the way they treated him? His dad was a deacon in the church. They had a church, church problem, and they, they ended up asking the dad to leave, and the son walked away from God. And so there was an opportunity there to share and to talk about that sometimes people think they're doing God a favor, and they hurt the people that they're that they're not supposed to hurt. And instead of using their bullets on the devil, they use the bullets of their bullets on one another. And just walking this down the young, this young man down that road, well, he came to really came to really come back to Christ in that particular, in that particular moment and prayed with him and left. And so we were just so thankful that God had brought us to him. But when he came back, he came back, he had this big old box and it was full of alcohol. It was bottles of liquor and beer and stuff. And he said, look, I was going to I was going to take this out and have a good time tonight. He said, but God just told me I don't need this anymore because I found Jesus. 
So what's the next question that you would ask? Who's taking the bottle, the, the big box of liquor home? And so, so the, the other minister was my pastor at the time, and he wasn't going to take it home, so I guess I had to take it home and do something with it. So I drive it home in the back of my car. Bottles are clanking everywhere. I walk inside, and the first thing I do is go to Leanne. And I say, there's some stuff in my car, but I just want you to know something. God really moved upon this guy's life, and I don't really know what to do with it. So, of course, we poured it out. But what I realized this is this, this young man walked away from God because at some point in his life he got offended by somebody in the name of Jesus. Listen, you're going to get hurt in church. You're going to get hurt by life. Sometimes God's going to do things that you don't think he should do, or he's going to answer a prayer in a way that you think he should have answered it. And it's in those moments you have to keep a clear conscience between you and him. Because, see, the thing is, the word is, is, is powerful. The word is, is, in a, is effectual. And the thing is, is if you turn the minister away or you turn the word of God away or you turn God away because you got hurt or offended by somebody or even God, it's going to keep the word from having the actual effect that it really has in your heart and your life. You're going to get mad at God. I've heard people say I hadn't, picked a, hadn't been to church in years. I hadn't picked up a Bible since 10 years ago. And you ask them why, and they'll tell you there's something that particularly happened. And my friend, that's why those importance are so critical, how you respond, because realize this. See, the seed went into the ground where it was rocky, but it really hindered it from growing and being all that it could be. I want you to make up your mind right now. Make up your mind right now. I don't care what happens in my family. I don't care what happens at my job. I don't care what happens among church family or church people. I don't care what happens between me and God. I am going to live for Jesus and not be offended. Would you say that today? Next is the weeds. The weeds is Mark chapter 4, verse number 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up, choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. He gives us the interpretation in verse 18. Still others like seed sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. This particular, this particular seed that's sown says something like this. I'm too busy for God's word. I have to work on Sunday. I got this side hustle thing I'm working on. I don't understand what I read. This is the American church. Everything we do, if all the things that we do, the one thing we'll push off is God's word because we have other things that seem to be more important. And the Bible says those are like weeds that come up and they choke out the word to where it's not as productive as it really could be. I had a dream this past week and the dream was this, and, and, and in the dream it pretty much said this. The problem in the church today is the side hustle. You know what the side hustle is? It's those things church people do that keep them from God's Word. It's that other job, or it's that entertainment, or it's that, that activity that they do, or kids' things. It's that thing that they do with the extra time that they have, and they push off God's Word because they're doing a side hustle. 
A side hustle is that thing that keeps a person from really seeking out after God. Everybody has the exact same amount of time, and God's saying this, don't take your, the word of God, the preciousness of God's word, and push it off to the side and let the weed come, weeds come up and choke it, all because you're trying to make an extra buck. All because you're trying to make sure your kids have everything that you didn't have. Listen to me today, my friend. This word of God is so powerful. It's so important in the life of a believer. But sometimes the weeds come up, and the cares of this life and the deceitful of riches push it away and cause it to be ineffective. I read this. There's a, an organization called the Weed Science Society of America. These are people that study weeds. Really, it's called the Weed Science Society of America. In 2007 to 2017, they did a study of winter wheat. And they decided the biggest thing that hinders the growth of wheat, which, of course, we make bread with, is weeds. It's almost 25% of weeds causes the, the, the crops to diminish, the yields to diminish in that of wheat. So in other words, the thing, if you can get rid of the weeds, how many know you can grow more wheat? So if you take that and apply that to the, to the Christian life, the weedy Christian is just not ever going to kind of get where they want to be. They're not ever going to have just a full harvest. They're not ever going to be everything God wants them to be because God, the thing is, those weeds come up and they hinder the growth and they hinder and stunt the, the yields that God wants to have in their life. One of my pet peeves is what I'm about to say right now. I'm about to just get on a soapbox. I have been in this thing for 32 years, a long time. And I am so tired, so tired of Christians leaving church to go to another church. And the excuse they give is I'm not being fed at my church. I'm not, being I'm not getting what I need. Can I tell you, my friend, that fault is not the, the pastor's or the church's or the denomination's fault. That's the fault of the believer. When my kids were little, I, I, I fed them their bottles. My goal was that when they turned 5 and 10 and 15, that I still didn't have to feed them, but that they could feed themselves. Listen, my friend, if you're trying to get everything that you need from God at church, can I tell you that means that the pastor, the minister, is spoon-feeding you. There's got to come a place where you can feed yourself. In my church, in my denomination, can I tell you, it's one thing to feed a person. It's another thing to teach them to feed themselves. It doesn't matter what the minister says. It doesn't matter what the teacher says. It doesn't matter what the devotional's about. My friend, I'm going to go home and I'm going to learn how to feed myself the Word of God. Got me stirred up. People say, I can't understand the Word. That's why I don't read it. I can't understand it. Can I tell you something? I can't understand women. I don't get them, Josh. I've been married to one for 26 years, and I just don't have a clue. I think I know less now than I did when we started. But just because I don't understand women doesn't mean I didn't get on my knee and beg one of them to marry me. And just because I don't understand the Word of God, that doesn't mean I can sit down and really allow God to speak it into my life and to make a difference for me. Come on, those weeds, we got to pull those weeds up. we got to pull those rocks up. We gotta we gotta till that soil. We gotta allow the word of God to, to have an impact in us. And because the thing is, is we come to the good soil. So we know exactly what we don't need to do. What happens when we do it right? When what happens when we cultivate our soil? We don't get hardened towards the speaker. 
What happens when we don't allow the, the, the side hustle to distract us? What happens when we pull those weeds up? This is the part I've been waiting to talk about all day. Verse number eight. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And he gives us the uh, interpretation. Verse 20, others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So the thing is, is this, the, the word of God has potential to produce in us. And, the, and I like the way he put 30, 60, or 100, because that means it's, it's limitless. There's no telling what the Word of God can do in my life and your life. I don't care what problem you face today. The answer is found right there. If you've got, you got kids that you don't know how to handle, the answer is right here. If you've got a job, you don't know how to figure it out, the answer is right here. If you need direction in your life and you don't know which way to go, the answer is right here. If you've got a struggle or a vice and you can't seem to overcome it, the answer is right here. If you're sick in your body and you've been to doctor after doctor and you've been medicine after medicine you don't know what to do, the answer is right here. If you're afraid of death and you don't know what's going to happen the day that you breathe your last breath, my friend, the answer is right here. And it can produce so much in you, can do so much in you, a 30-fold or 60-fold or a 100-fold. Everything that we have need of is found in the Word of God. I've always thought this. I don't know how you are. When you look at your life, do, do you ever think about what people will say about you when you, get, when, you, when you pass away? I mean, have you ever thought about your funeral? Am I the only weird person in this room? And I think about what people will say about me when I'm dead. I mean, I think, I wonder what God will say about me when I stand before him. You know, I wonder, you know, what, what things, what, what legacy will I leave? And, and I realize this, that the more of this right here that I can get in me, the more of this that I can get down on the inside of me, the more crop, the more harvest, the more yields I'm going to produce. I worked with farmers for many, many years, and I never met one farmer who thought this thought. You know what? I got a thousand acres of soybeans. If I get 10 bushels out of all that, that sounds pretty good to me. I got 10,000 acres of cotton. If I get a couple of bales, man, that'll be a good year. Every farmer I've ever met wants every single bushel that they can possibly get. They want every single bale of cotton they can get inside their barns. And my friend, I want everything that God has for me in this life. Every promise he has, I want it. Everything he wants me to accomplish, I want to do it. And the one way I can do it, the one way that can bring the greatest benefit, and that is, is to let the Word of God get on the inside of me and begin to do its thing on the inside of me. Get on the inside of you and begin the thing it's supposed to do on the inside of you. I don't want to be spoon-fed. I don't want to be bottle-fed. I want to feed myself and have everything that God wants me to have in this life. You know, let me close with saying this. I have a table here, and I want to compare that table to this bottle. Now, if you come to my house, you can have this. And it's pretty good. Every six-month-old will tell you this is the best thing going right here. Or you can come to my house, and you can have this. See, this can only feed one person. But see, this right here can feed my whole entire family. See, this right here just tastes kind of bland, maybe. 
But see, the thing is, in, right here, there's all kinds of different types of choices to choose from. See, right here, you may have steak, and, or maybe you have chicken, and, and, then, and then maybe you'll have some beans on there, and maybe a little cornbread on the side, or maybe some salad over here, and maybe you'll have some cheesecake over here, and I don't know, maybe you can have tea right here, and you can have sweet or unsweet, or like Bethel, sweet and sweeter. <laughs> you can have Diet Coke, you could have Coke, you could have rolls in the middle. There's such a buffet that you can have from this meal right here, or... You can have that. See, the thing is, is what Jesus is saying in our parable today. He's saying this, I want you to have this. I want you to have this. I don't want you to have that. You can have that and make it to heaven. But God has so much more for us. And when we pull those weeds up, we pull those rocks out, we take that hoe and we break up that hard ground, and then God's word is planted my friend, there's a buffet waiting for me and for you. Only one person's welcome to this bottle. Because if I take this bottle and share it with somebody else, how I many know that's nasty? But everybody can feast on the Word of God at God's table. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you not just that, but thank you right now that we have the opportunity to do something with this, this Word that you've given us today. Maybe there are those today and there are those that are <laughs> see some weeds in their garden. Maybe there are those that got a few rocks in there, those that have become hardened. But today, God, we're asking you that help us to be that kind of a people. Help us to be that group of people who have good soil. That no matter where you speak the word from, it'll go down and it'll produce a harvest. Today, I'm not just making a quality decision, Lord. Today, I'm asking these people to make a quality decision. God, I want to be a good soul Christian. God, I want to be a good soul Christian. And I pray that you'll help me to do it. I love you for it. I praise you for it. I pray for the next few moments as we gather around this altar to pray one for another. I know that you're going to do something wonderful, something marvelous. And I ask it in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.com. Thank you.